0: Greetings and welcome to the African Spirit Reintegrated and Reimagined Podcast. I am Asani and I will be your host for the duration of this podcast series. I own a Sunny Coaching Services where I provide spiritual coaching services specifically geared toward traditional and indigenous practices. Likewise, I'm a partner of the Ghanine Spiritual Platform that focuses on Patient voodoo. My specialty is in African spirituality. It is what I love the most in regards to spiritual practices, though I am familiar with a host of other spiritual practices. I, I love African spiritual, spirituality for what it's done for me, but it continues to do for me. But likewise, for the history and the culture of it, learning about myself through This form of spirituality. So, in this episode, I am going to discuss what African spirituality is all about. Now, I'll be looking at this topic from a very broad perspective, definitely not going to touch on specific or individual practices. That being said, you know, I do want to make everybody aware that African spirituality is not like one monolithic type of practice. It is diverse and there are different things that go on within African spiritual systems throughout the continent and even within the diaspora. And that's another component of this conversation is that whenever I'm speaking about African spirituality, I'm speaking about those systems that are practiced on the continent throughout the different 54 countries as well as the systems that are practiced within the diaspora, being, you know, here in America, where I'm from, um, but likewise in the Caribbean islands, Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Cuba, etc. All of those different aspects of African spirituality that, you know, we come to know as under different names like voodoo, Santeria, lucrami, So many other practices out there, of course. I can't get to all of the different names, but I definitely hope to be able to do future podcasts where I am focused on specific systems. So, right now, I want to take a look at you know how this particular system of spirituality is laid out foundationally. Okay, again, we're not going to cover all of the topics that are involved in every single form of the spiritual practice, but the basics that is a part of all African spiritual systems. And also let me say this where I'm I am on the topic of you know exploring what we mean by African spirituality. I'm also referring to systems that are also practiced in Asia. Let me not leave that dynamic out because typically we're just thinking about countries or nations where we see a large majority of what we would refer to as black People. However, there are absolutely indigenous people groups who were from Africa who were dispersing other parts of the world outside of the Americas and the Caribbean islands, even Australia. We have quite a few people um, groups that were dispersed in parts of Asia. So if you actually travel to those lands, you will see dark-complected people with one might refer to as kinky hair. Um, that we would normally classify as a black person according to the way they look, you know, versus looking at their whole DNA code, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That being said, many of those people groups were absolutely from Africa. Like many people in the Americas, they traveled to different parts of the world prior to colonization and enslavement. So that dynamic was present right here in America. So a lot of people that we call Native Americans also came from Africa, guys. So, you know, I know that's a heated debate in some black conscious circles and things like that. But we are effectively from all over the place and we effectively landed all over the place. Now, of course, colonization and slavery played a major role in the dispersion of the people group whom we refer to commonly as Africans in today's society. However, some of those people groups were already in those lands before that process occurred. So I'm referring to all of the systems that came from the land of Africa, regardless of what tribe or what we call today what country it was derived from. Alright, so let's dig a little bit into the topic so foundationally when we are talking about african spirituality we are talking about practices in which individuals first and foremost believe in a supreme power you can call this power god or you can refer to it by a specific name or what have you but this is typically what individuals refer to as the creator or the creative force that power that made everything that being said, there is also a pantheon in many of the African spiritual systems whereby individuals also communicate with honor and reverence deities or spirits. Usually these spirits are from nature-based elements such as the wind or the air, fire, earth, You know, plants, trees, So many different elements. Likewise, there are what we call primordial energies or universal energies that are around. All right, there's conflict and debate as to whether African spiritualists are, you know, monotheists or polytheists. It can really be described in both ways. I personally take an approach that looks at it from both angles so when we're talking about monotheism we're talking about a divine creative force that made all other elements however the polytheistic perspective comes in when that energy is divided into other elements such as you know the rain the air the thunder the fire and just so many other things that i don't necessarily like to use the word worship though some people do but I would say that we, you know, reverence and give honor to because those forces are very much so instrumental in our well-being, in our day-to-day life, okay? So, foundationally, most African spiritual systems are based on this particular concept. So, you can refer to it as monotheistic or polytheistic. Most of the time people say polytheism just because it doesn't Um, focused on one major deity like Christianity or Islam does. That being said, Christianity, when it comes to the belief in the Trinity, is polyistic in nature. But that's a different story. I don't want to get into a comparative analysis right here when it comes to African spirituality versus other forms of religion. That's a whole nother podcast for another day. Another foundational element of African spirituality is ancestral veneration. So it is very important in African spirituality to venerate our progenitors, those who came before us, those who laid the foundation and ensured that we had life, if nothing else. Okay, you know, even if you were born into the world and you don't know who your parents are, we still give honor to the energetic forces that brought us into this being. We interact with our ancestors on different levels depending on how they lived when they were on the earth, but ancestral veneration is very important so that we are able to retain that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that our forefathers and foremothers left for us. That is definitely a major foundation to any African spiritual system. In fact, your ancestors are usually the ones that you are introduced to first, okay? Especially those of us who come from the diaspora and we didn't really have a foundation in an African belief system, it's usually advised for us to always start with our ancestors, to develop that connection and relationship first. And then from there, we move forward to dealing with the other energies that some may refer to as Orishas, Luwaz, and Wudan. So many different terms to identify the deities in different systems or pantheons. These are the energies that are most important in African spiritual circles and the ones that you will find pretty much ubiquitously throughout any traditional African spiritual system. Now, there are also spirit guides and other energies that kind of work with us on the lower plane, on the earthly level, and they may be referred to as different types of energies or entities. A lot of times in the West, we just say spirit guides. You can also refer to these energies as angels, And there are so many other energies that go along in that dynamic, but I just wanted to lay the foundation basically of the hierarchy of worship, if you will, or veneration when it comes to an African spiritual belief system. Again, that's just the basis of most systems. Every system will have a different way in which it interacts with these particular spirits spirits or deities many of the ways are very very similar though not all of them of them are the exact same and that's for so many different reasons number one you're dealing with different tribes and people groups who have their own systems a lot of the knowledge that you learn about interacting with spirits will come through your family line and because people are different their families will you know be set up different and you may learn to interact with one energy in a little bit of a different way than let's say your neighbor across the street or even your cousins if you guys do not cohabitate in the same dwelling all right that could also be the case so there are so many different things and so many different ways of interacting with the spirits but foundationally the purpose is to have an ongoing active and very live relationship or connection with these energies because these energies are responsible for us being able to live a fruitful and productive life. Now let's take a look at some of the defining attributes of African spiritual practice. Um, Number one. African spirituality or African spiritual systems are oral traditions. They are passed down by word of mouth. There's usually no central book or authoritative person for one or even an authoritative reference or a guide for us to connect with when it comes to learning about African spiritual systems which makes it a little bit more difficult for people throughout the diaspora who want to come to African spirituality because you basically have to rely on what somebody else tells you. Now there are a growing number of references that are being created but originally these systems didn't exist that information was passed down from person to person from generation to generation through family lines and things of that nature it, these systems weren't recorded in the same way that like we have you know a bible or a quran or any other holy book that exists within a religious doctrine Okay, so that's very important to know. And it's also very important to continuously pass on information about the tradition orally. That is one of the reasons why I did decide to do a podcast in relation to, you know, African spirituality. I write about this on um, the blogs, my blog on the Sunny Coaching Services, as well as on the Ghanim blog from time to time. But certain things can only be explained through verbal expression. Right? It's even better if you know I could be one on one with the individuals who I'm discussing this information with but you know that just is not allowable. But the beautiful part of, of that is that information can now be disseminated worldwide and i can speak from my home in america and somebody across the world can still get this information and vice versa you know i can listen to people and and communicate with other people from across the world without having to be there face to face and that's another dimension of why you know i talk about this subject and created this podcast because part of it is African spirituality reimagined. So, that's all about looking at African spirituality from the context of modern day society and looking at what should be part of its evolution because it kind of got arrested at some phase, especially with all the colonization and, and those processes that occurred. So, a lot of the information was dispersed throughout the world. And even contrary to popular belief, you know, all of the sacred knowledge within African spiritual systems is not on the continent of africa though individuals who were able to remain on the land are the primary gatekeepers and obviously they hold a lot of wisdom knowledge and understanding about the system but likewise you know there were very high level spiritual leaders and teachers who were transferred out of the continent and they took a lot of information with them that people on the continent didn't have access to after they left and some of those individuals were able to pass that information down on the land that they were in to you know maybe their children some cases it was you know other people's children because again there was a whole nother situation with families being separated once they did get to other land masses but that being the case There's knowledge that is not available in Africa. And again, that's another dynamic with my podcast is that reintegration because there are critical pieces of the puzzle that is missing. And so that's why I I personally approach African spirituality from a broad perspective, though I do practice, you know, within two specific systems that I absolutely love and enjoy. But I also love to learn about other systems and to get knowledge wherever i can get it because i do understand that it is spread thin and it is spread abroad but back to the attributes here another made amazing and you know beautiful thing i should say about african spirituality is that the foundation is about character development it's not all about you know trying to become rich it's not all about just being successful in life from, I should say, like a societal perspective, but being successful in achieving your destiny. And that's all about character development foundation. It's it's about us coming here to learn karmic lessons and to change the dynamic in our life. That's very much so the basis for pretty much everything that you will do as far as rituals and ceremonies and magic and all of those things are concerned, which I'll get to shortly. Also key to African spiritual systems is that they are very much so family oriented and communally based. So it's all about integrating the information, the knowledge, the celebrations and everything from a group context. Though you will do individual practice and you should do individual practice, it is also about coming together and communing with other people in society because that's how you learn your lessons. That's how you you grow. That's how you even show to yourself and to others that you are developing in your character. Okay. So you do have to connect with other people, which is also another, you know, conundrum for those of us here in the West or, you know, an other westernized nations. Definitely don't want to leave out other people groups who don't have access to the knowledge in the same way as people on the continent or even Caribbean Islanders, because they have access, stronger access to their spiritual systems than we do. We tend to have here in America, though there is some knowledge available in certain pockets of America. We still, for the most part, or kind of left out of that dynamic and so you know that being said it, it can be difficult from a communal aspect to practice within an African spiritual system when you don't have that community readily available in what area you live in I know that's a challenge for me personally because it's not a huge community of African spiritual believers where I am particularly in the systems that I practice within it is here don't miss state me don't misunderstand me i'm in arizona yes there are temples and things of that nature but you know it's also a matter of vibing with those things and also you know just being able to connect with those things on a practical level you know, meeting times and dates and schedules etc etc okay another attribute of african spiritual practice is that is absolutely nature based Everything that is done within an African spiritual system is connected to the natural world. Medicines, remedies, um, potions, etc., are going to be based, the authentic ones will always be based on natural elements. They will usually include those elements like um, earth, air, fire and water all four of them and some people also consider spirit to be the fifth element that is very foundational to african spiritual practices so you will often see all four elements represented in any type of ritual or ceremony that is performed in african spirituality or um any type of altar that is set up those elements are paramount and again nature is paramount so it's also about spending time in nature and community and connecting with nature right it's perfectly natural and normal to talk to a tree or give thanks to a tree when you practice within a particular system a traditional system in Africa it is perfectly normal to give homage to the grass to the dirt to the ground to the rocks because we believe that you know all life forms are essential. There's a bit of the concept of animism at play within African spiritual circles. And I shouldn't say a bit, it's actually a lot. You know, when it comes to the concept that all living things have a spirit, even a rock, because it lives, it has minerals. All living things have an essence. And with that knowledge, we can communicate with the essence of that particular object or being and get its blessings and pay homage to it duly before we do anything to corrupt or disrupt that particular element from or within its natural environment. So an example would be like somebody going to cut down a tree. In a traditional African system, you would first ask that tree, If it is okay before you cut it down explain to that tree why you are cutting it down and also give thanks and homage for you know uh, being allowed to cut it down and maybe even leave an offering for that tree to just show that 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 level of respect that keeps everything in balance and in harmony Versus somebody going out and just say, I'm going to chop down this tree without giving any type of respect or homage to that natural element. Beyond just having to cut the tree down, just walking outside and being able to sit under the tree and that tree giving you shade. Paying homage for that, that's part of the nature-based experience that many have when it comes to African spiritual systems. I know that's very, very common for me. I love nature. You know, absolutely part of practicing within an African system is getting out into nature, connecting with nature, communing with nature. And that's absolutely what I do. You know, sometimes I'll go on a nature walking. As I'm walking, I'm looking at the, you know, beautiful trees, the plants, the animals, and I am thanking, Thanking those elements for their beauty, for them being around, for making the ecosystem friendly enough for me to be able to breathe, for me to be able to live and enjoy. That is so paramount to dealing with African spiritual systems. And I know personally that's one of the things that really attracted me to the system because I already had the belief in um, what people call animism. I naturally had that belief and once i started to learn more about african spirituality before i started practicing it i realized that you know that was foundational to that belief and i was like wow i already believed that so it was perfect for me that being said because animism is oftentimes looked at with a side eye if you will and other people groups don't you know believe in it necessarily and they don't connect with nature in the same way when it comes to spirituality right it's very important to also note that african spirituality is very very much so scientific many of the principles and the things i should say all but i don't want to say all just because i don't have exposure to all but i will say the vast majority of the things that are done within african systems spiritual systems is absolutely based on scientific evidence. Africans were doing things that and learn things about nature way before the advent of what we call modern scientific study. But even with that in the case modern scientific study correlates to a lot of the things that go on or happen within African spiritual circles. Now I'm not gonna get too deep into that right now because it's a whole nother topic on its own but suffice it to say even though we call or consider this to be a spiritual system some people even say religion. I'll use it sometimes for shorthand but you know that's a whole nother conundrum because it's not really a religion in the sense that we think about religion in modern day society. Either way, it is absolutely scientific. It can be proven by the laws of nature or what you would even call physics. It coincides. A lot of the things that we do within African spiritual circles, even the magic, it makes sense from a scientific perspective. So those are just some of the major attributes of African spirituality as practiced throughout the world. Let me pause right here for a quick commercial break from one of our sponsors and I will be right back. Now the last thing that I want to discuss in this particular episode is the working components of African spirituality. How do we utilize the system to benefit us in different areas of our lives so one of the things you may be familiar with when it comes to african spirituality is divination in and, and magic these two components are very much so controversial in modern day society because they involve connecting with the spirit realm on a whole new level that allows us to change energetic patterns so that we can manipulate forces in order to make our lives better and improve our lives. That's the whole purpose of magic, per se, and the divination part of it is is getting the information that we need in order to do magic properly. As with all other components of African spiritual systems, magic or divination will look different in different systems. Divination is a pretty complex process and it usually takes a diviner many years to really develop develop their skill in order to be able to quickly and easily access information from the spirit realm in order to help others with that information. A lot of times, uh, priests and priestesses in African spiritual systems are called to their vocation from a very early age, usually their parents will know when they're born or sometimes even before they're born, that that individual is meant to serve in that capacity or that role when they grow up. And so they'll start training from a very, very young age. Usually, you know, as soon as they develop those key skills to be able to talk and comprehend and move about as they need to They will start to study their craft just as a school child would, you know, maybe go to preschool or something like that. This particular concept usually will refer to somebody who grew up in a society or within a family unit that practiced within a traditional system versus somebody from the diaspora who came into it later in life and then they find, found out that their pathway was to be a priest or a priestess. Nevertheless, that particular role is usually assigned to somebody versus somebody just standing up and saying, hey, I want to go and be a priest or priestess or study this particular vocation or profession as it's done oftentimes in Western society. On the opposite end of divination is magic. Divination is communing with the spirit world in order to get the information that you need in order to be able to go out and do certain work to manipulate the energetic forces in a person's favor. That's what we call magic. Sometimes these are used interchangeably primarily again because of the way it's done in western society nowadays a lot of times you know we approach spirituality or or spiritism from the perspective of magic whereby somebody may go and get a candle and just start doing some level of spiritual work without first communing with the spirit realm to see if that work is appropriate or if it will result in our desired outcome not saying that that is necessarily wrong or bad but it can have some sometimes ill effects but more importantly sometimes it's just not effective at all because again you may not know what that spirit or that deity wants at that particular moment it's perfectly fine to do certain types of cleansing work things like that on yourself without going through a divination process but usually for a higher level work especially when you're trying to make something manifest then you may need to get a higher level of reading. And that's where divination, a higher level of information, I should say. And that's where divination comes in at. Where you go and you seek out the counsel of the spirits to see, is this thing even for you, okay? Not going too deep in that subject because I do absolutely plan on doing a podcast on divination in African spirituality where I will discuss the scope, the purpose, and what all of that means in its own separate episode. Another component of African spirituality, when we do the work, if you will, is rituals and ceremonies. Rituals are very much so common in African spiritual practices. Some people do rituals on a daily basis, and I'm not just referring to priests and priestesses here. I mean, individual practitioners, they do specific ritual work depending on the composition of their spiritual team. So some people have more spirits that they serve or they work with that require weekly ceremonies or sometimes like maybe bi-weekly ceremonies because in the Ifa system in particular, um, you typically do your ritual work every four days or every five days, something like that and you can easily find yourself doing ritual work every single day depending on which icons or which which spirits you work with and by icon i mean you know the representation of that spirit which i'll get to shortly as well as far as what that icon icons are all about in african spiritual circles but ritual work can look like so many different things Different systems will involve various methods. You tend to find in the diaspora, more people work with candles and things of that nature when it comes to ritual work and in Africa on the continent, you will find people working more so with their idols that have been consecrated in order to do ritual work with, but a number of things can go on ritual work is oftentimes about you know sacrificing or feeding the spirits which basically means giving the spirits or the energies offerings because you know the concept of spirituality is that there's nothing free in the spirit world so if you want something if you want a spirit to do something for you you need to do something for it now obviously the spirits don't want the same things that we want because we live in a material world and we don't need excuse me they don't need certain things in the same way that we do even though we give them food offerings and drink offerings the spirit consumes the essence of that offering they don't actually eat you know a food offering the consumption of food is for people who have physical bodies but the offering and more importantly the intention behind the offering is what's most important it's the fact that you are recognizing that that spirit is going to do something for you or maybe already has done something for you and you just want to pay your due respect and say thank you um, in advance or thank you after the work has already been completed we just believe in the process of exchange the process of reciprocity is very important because if you Don't leave something in exchange for what you've gotten. You leave a void and emptiness there in which some malevolent energies can come in and take over so much more to that. But rituals are absolutely a major part of the work when it comes to African spirituality, ceremonies are also important. And the way I personally find a ceremony is just an elevated communal based ritual. So instead of doing a ritual on your own at home people come together usually in the form of you know like a party or a major event and they'll bring different offerings together and they have a celebration and observation of it could be one particular spirit or it could be multiple spirits at one time usually it's it's multiple spirits but just depends on the purpose of that particular celebration also a, a ceremony can be individual but a ceremony would be a little bit more on a higher level than a ritual so whereas let's say for instance ritual work you may give your deity palm oil and colonists on a regular weekly basis however you may have divination performed and your priests or priestess may come and say that particular spirit or Orisha wants something on a higher level. They want you to, to really do something. It may require you to actually cook for that orisha. And or it may require you to go and get food and take that food to a group of people so that you can be blessed. You may have to take it to um take it take the food to like a party or take it to small children or something along that nature. So You know, you're still observing or honoring that particular deity on an individual level in that case, but you're doing it communally because you're doing it for your own purpose. But most ceremonies, when it comes to African spirituality, we're talking about things that are purposely done within the context of a group or a community. Festivals and feasts are also very important within African spirituality, not too much different than... You know, celebrations within the Abrahamic religious system. So, you know, just like you have Christmas and you have other major holidays, Easter, I think it is a resurrection day, I think they call it now, I'm not sure. But there are some other Christian holidays that are not coming to me right now, but religious-based holidays that people observe on a regular annual basis in which people come together and they have big parties, big celebrations, things of that nature. The same thing goes on within African spiritual circles. Certain deities have certain days in which there's a major festival or, you know, celebration in their honor on that particular day. And it's very much so akin to, you know, having a Christmas celebration for you know the the birth of christ if you will if if, some, if you're a christian or you've ever been a christian okay um likewise you know muslims celebrate the birthday of muhammad and i know that there are some annual sacrificial practices that go on within islam as well and it's a bit of a fit or a party if you will okay so those things are very much so prominent in african spirituality another working component of african spirituality are those icons or those symbols that represent our deities and this is where you have a whole lot of diversion here right so in one system there may be um, an icon that's made out of natural elements or objects and that particular icon is consecrated through blood or another ritual substance through a priest or a priestess and then given to a person and that individual works with that particular energy like i said before giving it maybe weekly offerings or something like that whereas in other systems especially throughout the diaspora you will find this more so than you will in africa where people set up dedicated altars to their spirits or deities now these altars are they're going to have many of the same elements because they know that the spirits like certain things, and usually they'll put a symbol or something to represent that spirit there, but it's not consecrated. Oh, it's not always consecrated, excuse me, in the same way as a pot or an icon will be consecrated in Africa. Not always, sometimes it is. But these particular altars are designed by individuals and certain things go on those altars as i said before most of the time you will place some type of representation of each of the four elements on an altar whether it be an ancestor altar or a specific altar to a deity like ogun or ezeli frida or um some spirit or energy like that but those are more so set up on an individual basis like i said in in the diaspora because of the way the spirituality branched off um became more than anything a a matter of necessity to do it that way because people did not have access to the same tools and resources in the same way as they did when they were in africa so you also see a lot of synchronization going on with some of the diaspora traditions, especially when we look at things like you know Santeria and Haitian voodoo, we'll see even Louisiana voodoo, we'll see a lot of Catholicism being synchronized in those particular systems whereby the Catholic saints are set up to represent the African spirits or deities again that just became a matter of access the people group did not have access to what they did in Africa in order to set up their shrines and their altars properly or the way it was once done in Africa and so you know they were relegated to using the resources of their captors and also having to make their religion or their practice look like that of their oppressor or their captor so you know a slave master would be so much more inclined to uh, allow someone to practice within their system when they thought that they were practicing catholicism even though that person in their heart and in their spirit they were worshiping or serving their own deity while presenting the energy or or i should say an icon or an image of a catholic saint you know other energy so that's how that came to be especially throughout the diaspora okay we also use a lot of symbols so what we would call veve especially in voodoo um to represent the different spirits you have veve also being used in africa but you see those types of symbolism a whole lot more outside of the continent again because you know the continent is operating more so in an authentic space than outside of the continent where people basically had to make do with the resources that were available to them you know candles became very very important in ritual work and they also became representations of the lua and the orisha in in some practices where people you know didn't either have to or they chose not to use the catholic saints in order to represent their deity so you know instead of using i think it's mary instead of using like a, a statue a model an image of mary to represent israeli dantor some people go and get a blue candle to stand in that place and, and they'll use the veve of israeli dantor right so you and that's in the Haitian pantheon. But there are so many more examples like that. It just depends on the person and kind of where they were, where their family line came from in relation to what they ended up using when it comes to iconology or the representation. And the whole purpose of representing an energy through an icon or a symbol is so that you have that physical presence there and that physical presence is very important for reminding you of that deity especially if it's a deity that's very much so connected to you let's say for instance like your head orisha or your little I mean, tet, an energy that you know really works with you on a high level on a high frequency it's very important for you to remember that and it's easy i think even more so nowadays to forget you know those energies if you don't have something to represent them because there's so many of them when it comes to what we refer to as monotheistic religions like Christianity there's only one major energy that is served and that's you know Jesus even though you know there's there's a trinity involved most people just refer to Jesus so if you're just saying Jesus every day all the time you don't really need any type of representation of that energy because you see it all the time and even though people still do use icons you know to represent jesus you know like the cross and there's other imagery though the bible strictly prohibits that in african spirituality there are so many different deities right that you may have assigned to you and you may have to work with and, like I said before, it is so easy to forget about those deities. And also, an an icon or an altar space or a shrine is very important for you to have so that you have a space to honor that energy. And so, when you're taking offerings, you can take it right to that space of worship, if you will. It's pretty much like a mini temple for that particular energy energy like as if somebody was going to church but again the church is representative of jesus or christ so that's just you know one energy one deity being represented that's one of the reasons why we don't have a whole lot of you know icons and things of that nature when it comes to the christian belief system but and and i'm just using that as an example and i will quite often use christianity as a model for comparison and contrast, just because that's what I came up in. I am familiar with the Islam faith, but I say familiar, I don't know a whole lot about it, even though I did live in the Middle East and I have quite a few experiences around, you know, Muslim people who are absolutely lovely people. I don't really like to speak a whole lot on topics that I'm not thoroughly familiar with. So that being the case, you know, icons and symbols are very, very important in African spiritual circles as well. Another component that I'm going to end this conversation with is root work and medicine. I mentioned this a little bit before as far as, you know, using the nature elements when it comes to working magic, but root work in and of itself It's kind of a subset of African spirituality because somebody technically can be a root worker without being involved in African spirituality whatsoever. Though it is very common for the two practices to go hand in hand, especially when we're talking about diaspora traditions like hoodoo, for instance. So hoodoo is heavily involved in root work and um spell work and and medicinal excuse me natural medicine natural herbs and things of that nature i actually came from a family background where i um have hoodoo workers in my background in my lineage and heritage though you know the ones that i know about they passed away when I was a young child, so that work wasn't really actually in my presence beyond the age of maybe around eight or ten or so. But I absolutely have roots in in a background in that type of experience, and I have a whole lot of you know anecdotal stories and things of that nature that come from my family line who did know about the root workers in my family. That being said, my family is all Christian. They you know they don't really adhere to the beliefs of African spirituality I'm kind of like the long wolf in this thing but also you know very much so accepted so I wasn't shunned and you know kind of pushed off to the side when I, mean, I did decide to engage in this belief system though the majority of my family don't believe in it <laughs> Even though we do have that dynamic in our family and just going back to that conversation with root work. So root work involves actually using, like I said, medicines and potions and things like that. And a lot of the root work that was practiced in America, again, it was based on what was available versus what somebody could go out there and legitimately find based on the knowledge of the herbs and things of that nature that were native to the land so root workers in america that were you know under subjection of slavery and things like that had to make do they still learn about the plants and things of that nature and they were able to commune with these plants and understand their primary functions and so forth but the deal was that the access wasn't always as readily available and and then it also came an issue with people believing in root work you know it came a time where now you know allopathic medicine became the mainstay and people looked at root workers like their work was not as relevant as that of a medical doctor but it is absolutely part of african spiritual practice still done today oftentimes people will go to root workers when allopathic medicine can't find a solution or remedy to their problem. And so they're like, okay, you know, I need to go to the herbs and berries and things like that. So I'm going to go ahead and tie up this conversation right now. By no means did I touch on everything and all things that African spirituality is about. I merely stretched the surface. My goal is to dig so much deeper into this subject through this podcast and also through my blogs and youtube channel and other areas in which i interact on and i speak about topics related to african spirituality so i wish each and every one of you a very beautiful and blessed day i'm gonna go ahead and say Ashe.